you got to be mentally strong and, and and have confidence if you if you want to play play your best game play your a game um because if i would always find myself if i if i wasn't confident then that's when i would be missing the passes or that's when i would be making turnovers because i'm i'm gripping the gripping the stick too tight and and you just got to be loose you got to have fun you got to mess around and i think i think that's where the mental side comes comes into play that was former spokane chief current member of the ahl's providence bruins and a newly signed player to a pro contract with the nhl's boston bruins luke toporowski and you are listening to the up my hockey podcast with jason padol Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Podolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Podolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hey there, welcome back or welcome to the Up My Hockey podcast with Jason Podolan. I am... Jason Padolan, your host, and today we are doing episode 115, and I'm lucky to say that we are talking with Luke Toporowski. Uh, Luke Toporowski is a current player. Um, I don't always have access to current players, so this was special for me, uh, and it was also special because everything about my guest, Luke Toporowski, is worth talking about. Um, especially when it when you take it in the context of what Up My Hockey is and what it's all about. Uh, Luke is somebody that has wanted to be an NHL player from the time he can remember. He was born into a hockey family, a dad that played pro hockey and uncles that played pro hockey. And, uh, and yeah, that's what he wanted to do. He found that he was pretty good at it and he wanted to be a player. And his road to being a player um, started off maybe relatively easy as he was one of the better players in his area and, and was able to make the AAA teams and be one of the star players on the AAA teams. But then it got a little bit rocky uh, for him, not in the sense of uh, his ability to play as a 16-year-old in the WHL, his ability to be drafted eighth overall in the WHL draft, but more about his journey to pro hockey, uh, not getting drafted to the NHL level his first year of eligibility, his second year, his third year, after seasons that some would have said that he should have been drafted, um, not uh, playing as an overage in the WHL level, not signing an NHL deal after a successful overage season and, and uh, signing an AHL contract, uh, and now just signing his NHL deal with the Boston Bruins of, of two years. Uh, so what an awesome story. I always talk about people having their own path. Uh, their own way uh, to make their dreams come true. And I don't think Luke would have probably drawn it up the way that it's gone for him if he would have done it at 13 or 14 or 15 years old. Uh, but it's Luke's story and it's Luke's way. And I now I don't think he would have changed it for anything. You know, as you'll hear in the discussion, I mean, his 
his uh, his draft day in, in his 17-year-old season, his NHL day is something that has stuck with him, uh, being passed over with a house full of people, um, expecting yourself to go, uh, having all the reports and feedback say that he was going to go in between the third and fifth rounds and then being passed over. Uh, that has been fuel for him. That has, that has pushed him forward. That has put him to where he is right now. And I'm sure that's helped shape himself as a man and as a young uh, professional in in his habits and how he recognizes and appreciate things and and his his gratitude towards the sport and and maybe the fire in his belly to continue to get better and to continue to prove people wrong. Um, I just love it. So we talk about all that stuff in this episode. We talk about the psychology of the sport. We talk about how mindset plays a factor, the difference between the physical and the mental parts of the game. And, and uh, I ask, I ask Luke point blank. I'm like, well, what do you think the, what do you think the split is? How much of the game is mental? How much do you think is physical? Uh, get a really interesting answer there. Uh, we, we talk about um, confidence a lot. He talks about confidence and, and how to, how to gain it and how to keep it. And, and what a, uh, you know what an interesting battle it is, and and we we it's just a it's just a really fantastic, really honest, really transparent interview with a guy who is currently living the life, right? He's living that dream. He's in it right now. It's not looking back. It's not a story as he remembers. It's what is happening for him right now in the moment. The battle for the pro contract, the being the AHL player and fighting for ice time with guys who have NHL deals, the the junior player that had been passed over three times and, and, and had to ask for a trade in his final season of eligibility of junior to get that contract that he wanted, so desperately wanted to go be a pro player. Like he He's doing it as we speak, and I think he's an awesome representation of uh, of just where the game's at. You know I mean, what a mature perspective from a from a young man who's 22 and and the stuff that he's that he's been through and the experience that he's gained. And uh, I just really enjoyed the conversation. I, I don't I didn't know Luke at all prior to prior to this discussion. Uh, I barely even knew his dad, to be honest. And his dad, we talk about in this in this uh, interview as well, Kerry uh, Toporowski, an absolute legend of like WHL lore uh, with his 505 minutes and penalties in one season. He wore number 17 for the Spokane Chiefs. Um, we, I, I, I knew him and we, we have a commonality of all being Spokane Chiefs, but I, I reached out to Kerry uh, when he celebrated Luke signing and I said, hey, would, do you think Luke would want to come on the podcast? Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to chat with him. So uh, he got me in touch with Luke. Luke was gracious enough to say yes to somebody that he's never met before. And, and it was just a fantastic conversation. I felt like, uh, you know, felt like it went along really well. And I think that you guys are going to really appreciate um yeah, just like the currentness. I mean, the the how relevant it is in, in so many aspects. So um, I guess I will just pass the torch now over to our conversation um, with Luke. We, he ended up hanging out for a minute and 20 or an hour and 20. I apologize, Luke, if you are listening to this. I did say we're going to do a, a hard stop at an hour. But geez, the conversation was just flowing so well. We, we pushed the boundaries a little bit and he didn't even give me crap for it. So um, thank you for doing that. And for those of you, it's not a big deal at all. Generally, there's not too many swear words and there's really not in this one. But um, but I think the F-bomb has dropped a couple times in this episode. Um, maybe S-H-I-T has said once. So uh, anyways, not a big deal. But if you are sensitive to language, uh, if you have super young people in your car, it might come up. So uh, you can earmuff it if you need to. Uh, but without further ado, I bring you my awesome conversation with current 
Boston Bruin, newly signed Boston Bruin contract, uh, Luke Toporowski. Luke, first of all, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, great to have you. And for those who have been listening to me for a while, uh, they know that I played for the Chiefs. Um, So that's definitely been brought up in in past episodes. Uh, Your dad, I'm not sure if he has or hasn't, but he should have been brought up in past episodes. So we we have that connection. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But you yourself spend a bunch of time in Spokane. So I love love the connection that we have there. And that's one of the reasons that I think that your story is is so fun, too, with with what you've accomplished here lately. So... um, yeah, so let's maybe start with the Spokane connection, shall we? Sounds good to me. It's e- okay, easy perfect. Topic. Was you? I, I'm going to start off just with more or less with a, uh, like what's going on in my house. So, like, I'm I'm a few years behind your old man. I actually came in, and for those listening, I wore his dad's number. So, Kerry Toporowski was a legend in Spokane, uh, to say the least. Um, and was remembered much differently than I was because I was this goal scorer and Kerry was found his way to the penalty box a lot. But he has he has some records that will never be touched. But he wore 17 and they gave me 17, which I thought was interesting. But I, I always loved 17 since. I got the tattoo uh, on my leg. Um, but regardless of that, you coming up now uh, or now you've been through that process, did you want to play WHL? And if so, was playing for Spokane something that you wanted to do? I think that's the only thing I wanted to do. Um, just playing minor hockey and my grandparents live out here. So playing minor hockey, I would always come out like in the summertime and, or during like spring break and stuff like that. And would always go to chiefs games. And my dad played for the chiefs. My uncle played for the chiefs. My uncle on my mom's side is the president of the chiefs. My like, yeah, we're just a chief family. So, (laughs) I mean, when the conversation started coming about, NCAA or, or WHL or Spokane Chiefs, whatever it was, it was always just the Chiefs. So what, it didn't matter. Like, and even during the WHL draft, I kind of had a sense that I was going to Spokane. But if that wasn't the case, I made sure me and my agent made sure to tell every other WHL team, like, he's not coming. <laughs> if it's not Spokane, he's not coming. So I got accepted to the WHL because I was technically OHL territory. And yeah, I mean, I got drafted to Spokane and, and the rest is history. I had a great four and a half years here. So that's awesome. I mean, it was a dream come true to me. So you say here, maybe we should touch on that because you're actually sitting at a kitchen in Spokane. So maybe just t- tie that in right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, my grandparents live here. My, my cousins live here. Um, so when I actually got drafted here and I was, and I was 16, um, well, my brother was playing here at the time we were billeting with my grandparents so it made that transition so much easier because as you probably know moving away at a young age or as a teenager it's pretty tough um but that made it so much easier um and then my mom happened to move out here two years ago so she's out here and and in the summer times i like to be out here just because i mean hockey's not incredibly big in iowa so so it makes it tough to train or Tough to be tough to be around a, a solid group of pros um, in that sense to to yeah. compete with and, and and better my game in the summertime. So being out here, I mean, and you you know the city of Spokane, it's so beautiful, and I mean that just adds to it. So yeah, uh, yeah it's a great spot. We're on the South Hill, so it's pretty Sweet. nice. So 
I want to I want to get back to all that, but I will just add on what you said just from Quad City there. So I, I read, I think it was something that your dad posted on social that you were the first uh, ever player from Quad Cities to uh, to sign an NHL deal. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. But I mean, hopefully there's more to follow now. I mean, that would be the goal for for myself is to to kind of show kids like, hey, we're from the Quad Cities. We only have one ice surface, but but we can make it too. And, and hopefully they, I'm a role model for them and, and they, they can follow that. So. Right. That's fantastic. I love yeah. that. Um, yeah. So going back. Okay. So I love it. So you were born an American. Do you have a dual citizen or not? I have dual. Yeah. Okay. I, got it. I got it like right around U 18s just, just cause we didn't know if hockey Canada could be a thing, but I ended up going USA hockey anyway. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause my boys are in the same boat. Cause I, I married an American myself. And so they're, they're all dual. So. Take advantage of it because I mean, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? It's definitely can be an advantage when it comes to, you know, if, if you're national level kind of worthy, right. At least you sort of have either option, right. Or even going back and forth between the States and in Canada. I mean, if you flash your American passport going into Canada, they, they don't make it easy on you. So. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. So yeah, you get, you get to be, you get to, you get to free, free flow through that border uh, pr- yeah. pretty easily. And then it also opens you up for whatever uh, yeah. later on, which is cool. But, um, but yeah, walk me through that whole process. Cause d- just for reference, I'll bring it back full circle. My, my oldest is a 2009 born. So his draft year for the WHL is this year. Right? Yeah. So he's, he's going into a second year Bantam. He's playing at uh rank prep um, in the CSSHL. So, I mean, he's, yeah. he's super excited. Yeah. I mean, he, and he would love to be, ha- hear his name called first of all. And, and, uh, and if he does get his name called, he'd love it to have from the Spokane chiefs behind it and yeah. follow in my footsteps. But um, path sounds is a little bit simpler for him because he's a Canadian playing here. So you were playing in quad cities walk me through that whole scenario of jumping from the OHL and, and being able to be eligible for the WHL. Yeah, well, that was the whole thing. Like that, uh, whatever second year Bantam, um, kind of started to figure out, like, okay, I can do something with my hockey career here. Started getting college recognition or whatever they, whatever they, those recruiters do. But yeah, my dad had the conversation with me. He said, "Do you want to go NCAA or do you want to try to get accepted to the WHL and go WHL?" And I said. I mean, that's a dumb question. I mean, you know, I want to go to Spokane. My brother was actually playing in Spokane. So Jake getting accepted to the WHL first made it a lot easier for me to kind of get switched over. Um, mm-hmm. So they were pretty, pretty chill about it. Um, yeah. And that what is that? Year, and when you say pretty chill, like, what do you have to do? Is it just like a file some paperwork? Or I think my dad, I think for Jake, he had to maybe file some paperwork, maybe, maybe file or maybe show that he played in the Western league and, and we have family roots in the Western league. And then he, and then for me, I think he just sent an email and to the commissioner or to the board, whatever, and said, Hey, we'd like to do the same thing for Luke. Cool. And so when you, your draft year, was there, cause right now there's the U S priority draft, I guess it's called like that. They're actually not a part of the, the regular draft. Uh, did, did you have that or are you just part of the mix? It was priority draft just started like a couple years ago. So, gotcha. so I was, uh, I was in the mix of the Canadian guys too. Cool. So where did you go? Cause I, I tried to look that up before we talked, but I couldn't find it. Uh, eighth overall. Oh, sweet. So you're a high pick. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's fun. So you did have a little bit more, uh, 
I guess whatever it is, clout or, or leeway with with saying kind of where you wanted to go and and how you wanted where you wanted to play. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a couple teams before the eighth pick that had kind of been hounding me too. So I was like, oh fuck. I mean, I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go anywhere else besides Spokane. If that's the case, I'd probably go to college. Right. Um, so my agent at the time did a well agent. I mean, I was fourteen years old, but agent at the time did a pretty good job talking to teams and just, I mean, I think other teams had an understanding. My brother was in Spokane at the time and right. my dad and my uncle, like they had an idea that Spokane was the way to go. So, and then good. picked that eight and I mean, yeah, the rest is history. Awesome. That's fantastic. Was Tim Speltz still there then or was he gone already? Yeah, Speltz, he was there. So, I mean, I, he came out to Chicago, which is where I was actually playing. We commuted from Quad Cities to Chicago yeah, your dad was saying that. Yeah, That's crazy. Well, times. tell everyone how far that is and what kind of a commitment that was. Two and a half hours one way. For, for practice. For four days a week, yeah. So five wow. hours. I mean, I got really lucky. My There was a couple other kids from Quad Cities that were doing it, so parents could kind of rotate. But for the most part, it was my mom and my dad um, doing that. So, I mean, yeah, pretty pretty fortunate for that. But. Well. Jeez, man. Okay, so you're saying two and a half hours one way, right? You just said. Yeah, I we would leave. I leave school early, like at two, two thirty ish, and we get home at like eleven at night. Eleven at night, four days a week. Yeah, well, Tuesday through Tuesday through Thursday, and then games are you know minor hockey games are Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So right. So, and you're how old you how old are you when you're doing that? Uh, I was. 10 to 16 because then i left uh minor hockey at 16 to go junior hockey okay so spokane actually drafted you from like that area like they- yeah yeah yeah, yeah Spelt- so- what i was getting i was spelty came out to chicago a couple times so it was good right. to meet him and whatnot but so walk me through that like as far as i mean those are long days first of all right so you're in a car which is crazy i mean you're trying you still have to do school um you're getting home late you're not getting really the the sleep you want um, just that balance of like, was there ever a point where you thought, um, and believe me, tell me the right answer. Like where you were like, what am I doing? Like, you know, like, was it ever, did it ever get to that? I mean, yes and no. I mean, as a, like a middle school or high school kid, like you see all your, your school friends doing what they're doing every day after school or like on the weekends and you kind of get a little bit jealous, but then like the same time like, you think to yourself, like, I mean, I'm pretty lucky to – I'm playing for probably the best program in America in uh, Chicago Mission, playing high-level hockey. I started to get an idea that I could probably do something with my hockey career. So that – anytime I kind of got off and was like, oh, fuck. Like, I wish I was just with my buddies this weekend. Like, you got to just get your mind in the right spot and – and I, I did that a lot because I mean I was so lucky to be where I was at and and now to be where I am. So good for you, man. That's a uh, I don't know. I mean, you and I have just met like now. What is it? Fourteen minutes ago. So <laughs> I, I have no idea what what your knowledge of me is. But like I do work with players on on mindset and the mental side of the yeah. game. And like for me, that umbrella of mindset like encompasses what you just talked about as part of it. Meaning. Like one, what is your passion? And two, 
kind of what are you willing to do for it and also yeah, gratitude, right. you know, like, so, and I think those are all skills, right? Cause like there could have been times there where you, maybe your passion wasn't quite as high as it was. I mean, long drives, late nights, you know what I mean? You're yeah. starting to lose that passion. Like you can check in there, but that gratitude piece is such a big one for players. And it sounds like you had it, you know what I mean? To be appreciative and to be thankful. hundred percent. Because like I mentioned, like ho hockey in Iowa, it's getting better, but I mean, if you want to do something with your career, you probably have to have to move out of Quad Cities just because it's only single A, double A hockey. So, I mean, just being grateful that I had the parents to drive that could leave work at two o'clock, get home at eleven o'clock, spend right. the gas money. Um, I mean, just yeah, you gotta you gotta check in and you gotta say like, wow, I'm pretty fortunate because not many parents would probably do that and you could probably just be stuck playing double-A hockey in your hometown if, if that's the case. Yeah. If, like, how, how, okay, so now you've been, you've been through it now, and I know this, this will, this will be a storyline throughout the time that we talk, because you've done the, the four years of junior, maybe even five, you, you, five. you did, yeah, you did fives, and you, you had a trade in that time, you, you, you I mean, you had to battle to get an AHL deal, you, you just battled and got your NHL deal. Like, I mean, there's a lot of shit that can go on and there's a lot of bad stuff that can happen. There's a lot of great stuff that can happen too, but yeah. you need to love what you do. Correct. Like, is that not part of an essential part of the element? I mean, hundred percent. Like the draft day, my, my first year, like your first year going into the draft. So when I was after my 17 year old season, I was 18 at the time of the draft. It's in the summertime, but I mean, that draft day was probably, up there for one of the worst days of my life just because you have all the draft type you have all the whatnot going around all your hometown buddies are like well, you're getting drafted you're getting drafted had a draft party everybody's there seven rounds go by and you don't go don't get drafted so you, it's just the feeling of letdown but then the next day you're on a plane i was on a plane going to winnipeg to their development camp and it's like all right check in again you love you love doing this and it's time to prove people wrong and i think Ever since that first year going undrafted, I had a chip on my shoulder, and, I'm, and I don't think I've lost that ever. I think I kind of always check back into that day and, and and really remember how I felt and that I don't want to feel that way again. I don't want to feel the uncertainty of my hockey career or stuff like that or letting other people down. So it's just checking in, and, I mean, yeah, it's it's awesome to, to have the support and whatnot that I had. Right. But yeah, I mean that big that that big piece of of like the long drives, you know, like the battles, like when it's not going great, and 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 maybe the runway seems like it could be running out, you know, like there's 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 lots of reasons that the game is going to give you to give up and to say, yeah. you know what, not today, uh, and that's one of those things that I just like. I don't know, like, for, for me talking to you right now, right? I have no idea where your career is going to go, right? Hopefully you play from Boston. Who knows, right? Like, yeah. I have no idea. And I don't know when I'm, when I'm talking to somebody who's 16 years old what's going to happen with them. But the big but is, like, what are you doing it for and why do you do it, right? And, and if, you, if you can answer those two questions and it's not about – it's not about making a million dollars. And if it's not about, you know, like some of these things that like, and I think that we, why I'm bringing that up is because I think that weeds out kind of the pretenders from the hockey players, you know, yeah. you gotta be a hockey player, right? hundred percent. And I think that's where it's kind of easier for me, sort of say, 
to, to check in because if I am having a bad day or if I am getting let down by the game, sort of say, um, I, I remember what I'm doing it for. And I mean, parents is the easiest question or easiest answer. I mean, two and a half hours a day for six years. Um, I mean, that's a pretty easy answer. Give back to them. Being the first kid from the Quad Cities to sign a contract. I mean, that's a pretty easy answer. Give back to the where you came from. I mean, those those two are like the big two that it's like, all right, like you got this under your belt. Like, you know what you're doing this for. Now, now go do it for them. Right. Cool. And how big of a piece is it for you, though, too? I mean, yeah, it's ever, ever since I was uh, two years old. I mean, that's kind of been the dream. I mean, growing up, I, I don't remember much of my dad's career, but um, just because I he retired in 04 and I was born in 01. But, I mean, being around the game and seeing him play pro hockey or – I mean, and then you just watch YouTube, you watch hockey games on when you're growing up and, and whatnot. You're around the game your whole life and you, you see these big time at when you're that young celebrities, NHLers, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, um, those guys when you're when you're eight years old, I mean, you wanna be one of them and, and I think for me that's that's where I can also look in the mirror and I'm like and I wanna I wanna be them one day. So super fun. Um, so let's walk. So walk me through that. Cause that would have been a kick right in the pants. So coming from quad cities, you were a stud there for sure. Right. Not much hockey there. Like you said, you started yeah. to figure out that you were pretty good, pretty yeah. so good that you were going to go play AAA in Chicago. Right. And then, then you're yeah. obviously performing there and doing well there. And now you're like, Oh, I'm amongst the big boys and you get drafted eighth overall and everything seems pretty rosy. Right. Yeah. And you have a pretty good year in Spokane. Then you have a pretty good draft year too. And then all of a sudden your name doesn't get called. And that was the first time that probably the wind really got knocked out of your sails. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, before that I was getting cut from the brick team. So that put a, Oh, okay. <laughs> no, yeah. but I no, I was more making a joke. But <laughs> but did you get cut from the brick team? Yeah, I got cut from the brick <laughs> team. Damn it. Um, but yeah, like you said, um, playing in the Western League at sixteen, I mean that's a struggle. I mean I don't know if you played at six. Like you said, I, I'm not totally familiar with your career, but um, I mean playing in the Western League at sixteen is pretty tough. So that was that was kind of an eye opener. Um, but I got the hang of it. I mean, how did pretty good 16 year old year then that that whole summer after your after your 16 year old year is kind of when draft prep starts right like uh played in the Holinka Gretzky cup for team USA had an awesome tournament there then had like you said had a good draft year so it's like every time I talk to my agent or I mean you try not to do this but read stuff online or stuff like that it's like Luke Toporowski anywhere from third round to fifth round, sixth round. And that's all I kept hearing every, every time interviewed with lots of teams throughout the year. Um, so yeah, like we had a draft party and, and then you seventh round comes, comes around and you're sitting there and everybody's like kind of getting quiet. And then, oh. yeah, you, the seventh round ends and it's like, Holy man, like this whole last year, I'm, I'm hyping myself up. People are hyping me up, whatnot. And then, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bite in the ass. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. The, the, that whole, the draft's an amazing thing. It is. It like, is it's crazy. 
Like, yeah. You're 17 years old and you were like, yeah, it's the draft is pretty crazy. Yeah. And there's so much, I mean, there is, there's so much like, like my boy and, and I'm sure you and your draft, you're like, this is his first kind of step into, let's say big boy hockey, right? Like yeah. there's people actually evaluating you and you know, there's going to be some rankings that are coming out and, and so this will be his first taste of it. But obviously when you talk about the world worldwide stage of the NHL draft, like you're, you're, you're envisioning that as a 10 year old before you're envisioning the WHL draft or whatever, like you're, you're seeing your name called or thinking about that. And now you've put yourself in a position to make, to have it potentially be happen and it doesn't happen. And um, and then you get the phone call the next day to go to to go to development camp. And you got to lick your wounds and dust yourself off and go again. Um, but like I, in your old man's post, when he when he wrote that, he said then he got passed over again. Like, what about that next year? Like, how 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 was how was that whole process of like still deciding that no, I'm going to be a pro hockey player. I don't care what these guys are saying. And even that follow like like even that following year. So my 18 year old season. I mean, I. Had a, thought I had a good year, and like you know how the NHL draft work. It's like if you don't go your first year, it's it's kind of tougher to go your second and third year. But I mean, it still happens quite often. And I thought I had a good enough year to even go my second year, and then COVID hit. So so COVID hit during my second draft year, which was my third year in the WHL, and ended on a good note. And like you said, I mean, got passed up again. And then it's like, holy, like, how is this hockey career going to, yeah, like, how is, how's my hockey career going to end up? And I mean, I was only 18 years old. I had, I have at that time, 15 more years of hockey in front of me if I really want to, but it's tough to see the, the light, yeah. um, second year getting undrafted and then third year going undrafted. So it's like, and at, at that point you're a free agent. So, I mean, and then you got to battle for a free agent contract. So, we'll talk. To, I mean, because you know what? Getting back to the draft, I mean, the WHL draft, and I'm already trying to prepare Hudson saying, like, it's it, it's one moment in time, right? It's one day, one moment in time. And at the WHL level, r- roughly 30 to 35% of the league is undrafted, right? That's what it consists of. Um, NHL, it, the, like, the, the odds do go down even a little bit more, right? But there is yeah. a percentage of players that are undrafted for sure that play in the NHL, and it just doesn't work out that way. And these are just moments in time. Uh, what is your advice to the, the players out there, whether passed over in the WHL draft or, or you know, I mean, a little bit on your heels and have been passed over in the NHL draft? Like, what, what, what's your message to them? Well, like you said, you gotta, you gotta check in, you gotta remember what you're doing it for and why you're doing it. And I think if you can answer those questions, any adversity you're going through will, you'll be able to push through it. Just reminding yourself um, those answers um, and those should push you through. But I mean, it is tough. You see your best friends get drafted or your buddies that you played played with get drafted and and you get a little sour, but it just makes you want to work that much harder. And for me, that's, that's, that's the way it went. I mean, I was, balls to the wall, uh, blinders on, focusing on myself. I mean, after that first year, I, I really I really did that. Um, second and third year, it, it didn't bother me as much because I knew, I knew, like, I'm, in, I'm responsible for this. I'm going to take, take action. And, and I think if you take action in, in your game and in your off-ice habits and whatnot, um, if you treat the game well, the game will – the, it'll, it'll get back to you. And, and I think I'm, I'm getting a, a little bit of that taste back. Um, 
but the hard work for me is now just starting again. So yeah, yeah. it never uh, ends. You mean no, it never, never ends, ends, right? I've heard hard work is starting now probably six years or six times in my career. So yeah. um, isn't that the truth though? I mean, that's totally the truth. Like yeah, yeah you get you get drafted in the W or you go to AAA. It's like hard work starting now. Yeah. You get drafted to the WHL, hard work starting now. But it's it's true. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't end. It doesn't yeah. stop. You 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 got to work that much harder and and yeah. I mean, these kids getting passed up and and whatnot. I mean, you just got to go balls to the wall after that and and focus on yourself. And it's tough because you, so much stuff is online now. I mean, so much social media. So it's it's tough to kind of check in and and um yeah i've been i've been a, a victim to getting sucked in on the social media side but you sure. just gotta yeah you just gotta focus and i mean I think we should touch on that too maybe we'll get we'll get to it but i want to i just want to highlight the fact that um you you found a way to use it as fuel because it's so easy and, and and you kind of alluded to it a little bit to play the comparison game you know it, yeah. it whatever you're like, and I know a stat line is just a stat line and, and I don't know exactly what type of player you are, but for sure you're sitting there going, he got drafted. That yeah, guy got drafted. Right. 100%, or I'm better than him. Like what the fuck? Like right. all the time. So it, it, yeah, it is. Yeah. Like you said, a stat line is a stat line. Stats don't always matter, but we're, right. we're 17 years old. Like we're going to be looking at the stats. We're going to be looking at our buddy's stats. It's the nature of, human being in the game so but then you used it though is what, is what i'm saying right so you could like there, there's there, i think there's a fork in the road there right where you can you can continue to play the the comparison game right and say well i should have that's not fair this that or yeah. the other or you can unpackage that and be like well th- now it's time to get better now it's time to get even better you know and, and it sounds like that's sort of what you did you've mentioned putting on the blinders and now i'm going to get down to work like uh were you mature enough in that moment to say yeah i gotta get better i gotta prove these guys wrong hundred percent. And I don't like to pat myself on the back. Just, I mean, that's how we are, but I mean, I think I, I think I matured a lot just from those drives to Chicago. I mean, you have to mature if you're time management and whatnot. So my parents helped me mature pretty early, um, get in the right mindset. So yeah, like you said, I mean, it is a fork in the road and you can decide which, which road you want or yeah, which road you want to go down in that fork. Um, and yeah, I was, I was mature enough that, I mean, even the day, the day after the draft, before I left for Winnipeg, I did, I did a hard workout. Um, and then you get back from when it, or those development camps and you just keep going, you keep grinding. And then, you know, at some point it's gonna, it's gonna pay off. So I think you just have to, yeah, like you said, stay focused, be mature about it and, and don't get too sour. I mean, the day, the, the day of, you can be sour and whatnot. Um, but after that, like you said, it's one moment in time. It's one day. Um, keep working after that day. Yeah, so. That is one thing that I that I work with my players on. I call it closing the gap. Obviously, that's a term you're familiar with, with on ice, um, yeah. you know, how, how to play the game. But I talk about it from a mental perspective because like your ability, Luke Toporowski's ability to close the gap in that moment and not let it be a pity party for two weeks or three weeks or for a month, like – 
does that not increase your chances of coming into camp or doing whatever a lot quicker, right? So like that ability to snap, right? Okay, I'm going to have my moment. I'm a human being, right? There's there's some feelings here that I got to deal with, but I'm not going to let them get to me. I'm not going to wallow in it, right? I'm going to close the gap here and I'm going to I'm going to switch directions. So it sounds like you were you were able to close the gap in, in that scenario. And I, my, I kind of call that mental toughness, really. You yeah. know I mean, the, the quicker you are, that the better you are, that the more mentally tough you are. Yeah. Um, and maybe if you do get drafted, you get a little satisfied. So maybe that even slowed people down and, and made me working harder, close the gap quicker. Right. Um, sort of, sort of say. So, yeah, I mean, and you just do that over time, day after day after day, and you're going to close that gap. And I mean, if you go back and look at the, the 2019 draft class, there's kids who get drafted and they don't even get signed. So, I mean, and I was just a player who didn't get drafted and eventually got signed. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's how you want to look at it on draft day. It's how you want to look at it the days after that too. Yeah. Different route for everybody. That's for sure. Uh, You mentioned hard work starts and it started like six times already for you in your career. And, uh, I think that's an interesting topic just because I'm always talking about raising, raising our standards, our personal standards, right? And, and the quicker that we can do that on our own, uh, the more empowered we, we, we can become and, and we help that development curve. Because I remember for me multiple times in my career, like where I kind of thought that I was working hard and then I was exposed to a different environment or, or a different set of standards, right? Either yeah. they're from somebody else or the league itself, you know, and, and I was like, holy shit, no, this is where I got to get to, right? So um, can you speak to that? Like when maybe that moment was when you, maybe you went to an NHL camp or maybe you went to that development camp and you started seeing how guys operate and you had to like readjust where you were at or, or try and stay ahead of them in, in some aspect. It was actually, there is a moment moment in time for me because it was my 16 year old year I was in Spokane and I playing triple a hockey being the best player whatever you you think you work hard but and then I went to the WHL and I was doing the same habits and I remember we wear um like the heart rate monitors in, in in practice and it was like three weeks into the season and my head coach at the time Dan Lambert who's an assistant in Calgary oh, yeah. now pulled me into the office and was like, do you think you, uh, do you think you work hard? And I was like, yeah. And then he just, showed <laughs> me, he showed me the heart rate, the heart rate sheet for like all the practices. And I'm at the very bottom. I'm like, okay, maybe I got a, got a wake up call. <laughs> and then, so I, and I was getting healthy scratched a couple games at 16. So I was like, okay, like I do have to work way harder than I think I'm working. And then I remember my exit meeting when I was 16, um, I, wa- I walked in for my exit meeting and, and Dan said, I'm worried about you this summer. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, pe- first of all, people have sophomore slumps. They're, they're set their second season. They're always, they're not, maybe not as good. And I don't love your work, your, uh, like your work ethic. So I said, so I, that just made me wake up kind of, um, and look in the mirror and say, okay, I got to work way harder. Um, so ever since then, I mean, I, I kind of changed my work ethic. I, I really, really started pushing myself and, and not really focusing on, on what others are doing, but just, just pushing that much harder, even though it, it might hurt in the moment or might be sore. Um, and then another kind of 
not a wake up call, but going into my first year pro, um, you're going in the corners against 30 year old men, 28, 29, 30 year old men. And it's not that I wasn't working hard. It was just, Holy cow. These men are way stronger than me. Like these are, these are men I'm playing against now, not 16 to 20 year old junior hockey. Like these are legit hockey players. So I think this summer that's kind of been my focus is putting on that muscle and, and getting much stronger because going in the corners, you, you get knocked off the puck too easy or, or, or stuff like that. And so that's something I really been focusing on. And, and I think that was another sort of click in my, in my workouts and in my on ice capability that I got to push it even that much harder. It's yeah. Good for you. That, I mean, I remember the same thing, you know, the, you don't realize when you're in the moment, but in junior hockey, I mean, obviously it gets easier as you go. Yeah. But, but you, you, I mean, at the time I remember just assuming that I was just getting better. Right. So that it became easier. Like well, I didn't really contemplate that the whole league was getting younger. Right. Like it was easier for me because of the age factor. Right. There was a yeah. maturity factor. Yeah. Um, and then you step into that 20 year old year, that 21 year old year in your case. And now you're a professional to your point. You got guys that are 10 years older than you, maybe 15 years older than you. And uh, they've been doing it for a long time. They've been collecting a check for a long time. They know how to yeah. play the game a little more di uh, differently. And they got man strength like they're, these are these are men. And um, and then generally speaking, and, and you know, I, I'm sure you would vouch to this, like the, the habits of a professional are much different than even the most professional Western Hockey League captain. You know what I mean? Like right. it's it, it's a whole new ball. It's a whole new ball game. This is yeah. how they feed their kids. This is how they pay their mortgage. Right. And, and you know, they're going to protect that job uh, the best they can. So it's generally a, an eye opener that first year. Uh, anyone on that Providence team for you that uh, that was that elder statesman that kind of, sh you know, showed you what it took to be a pro? We had a great, we had a great group of young guys, but we had a, also a great group of, of vets. I mean, walking into the locker room as a, as a rookie in, in pro hockey can be pretty intimidating, but our vets in Providence, at least, um, were awesome. They took us rookies kind of out of their wing. They, they talked to us cause you know how sometimes vets can maybe just blow you off or, or, or stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, we had Connor Carrick, who is a, he was a great vet for us. He, he talked to young guys all the time. He joked around with us. He was always in the gym stretching or rolling out or, or doing whatever. Vinny Latiri is another one who we were injured at the same time this year. And he kind of took me under his wing and we would always work out together. We'd go shoot pucks together. We would be on the ice late after practice together and, and just stuff like that. So you want to kind of follow, you want to follow these guys here and, and be a sponge your, your first couple of years pro, because I mean, they've been there for, like you said, 10, 15 years and, and they've been, been collecting the checks. So they know how to do it. And I think if you can take bits and pieces from each one of them and, and kind of put it to your own game, then, I mean, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. I think. No, for sure. Just want to take a short break from the conversation with Luke Toporowski to do something that I don't usually do here at the breaks. And I'm just going to go on a little bit of a little bit of a gratitude tangent on Spokane. It just as I was sitting here thinking about the conversation I just had with Luke and, you know, him playing five years there, myself playing four and uh and his dad before him and his and his his uh brother his dad's brother playing in Spokane it's just made me kind of had a flood of memories about about the Chiefs and and obviously the connection it had between all of us and and I just wanted to say thank you um to Spokane 
to junior hockey in the WHL. Those years, those years there from 16, you know, I played some games in my 15-year-old year, but I'd already turned 16 um, up to the time that I turned 20 years old. Like, talk about formidable years, you know, talk about really impre- a really impressionable time in a young man or woman's life. And and that city was just great to me. You know, the, the, the fans were fantastic. And I kind of don't like even using the words fans. Yes, they were people that came to the game, but it, it they were, you know, they're people, right? They're, they're, they're people that wanted to take care of other people. And, and that's, that's really what I remember, you know, like there was, there was so much support in that city for us at that time. And I, I don't know how it is now, but you know, the, the amount of people that followed the team, the amount of people that wanted to support the team and the players within it and to make our lives easier, you know, most of us obviously being away from home and some of us in, in a new country at the time, it just it just made the whole experience uh, that much better. And and not only was it the fans, but it was also just like all the people at, in the front office. Uh, Brenda that worked in the office was amazing. Tim Speltz, the GM, was so supportive. And, and, and the ownership group there with Bobby Brett was, was absolutely fantastic to me and, um, and to my family and to my parents. And, and I just think, you know, when I look back on those times and yeah, not every season was smooth and there was, you know, there was ups and downs like there is all the time. But, you know, as, as a whole, that experience was, was just fantastic. The WHL treated me great uh, and the Spokane area in, in general treated me great and and uh and yeah and who knows what'll happen as you heard as you've been hearing the conversation you know luke always wanted to play for spokane i know hudson would love to play for spokane if he gets the chance and goes that route and and uh and i think gunner and tj would also like to i think that'd be a fantastic place for my boys to play junior hockey if they if they are good enough and if spokane wants wants them so anyways just a little walk down memory lane which actually kind of brings me to to another point is um in thinking about all the stuff that's been happening with with the chiefs i actually contacted a former teammate of mine derek uh, shoots who was a 16 year old uh when i was there and, and played a couple years while i was there and, and i know his he still lives in the area and his son's involved in in uh in the youth hockey system there and i said you know what do you have anyone that you can connect me with like i would love to bring up my hockey to spokane and and uh you know give give some mental fitness support and some mindset support to to the players there and and uh you know and, and help them along their journey and, and just help that that area that's given me so much so uh by the time you're hearing this uh, i will have already met with the president of of Seiya, the uh, the uh the, the Spokane Hockey Association there and, and who knows what's going to happen but it was just it's amazing how things come full circle and and uh, and yeah if I can support some of the amateur athletes there in Spokane with what I do now with up my hockey um, that would be absolutely fantastic so hope that meeting goes well and uh, obviously even if it doesn't um, it doesn't it doesn't diminish my my time spent there and what that city means to me uh, which is maybe a good little time for a sales pitch I mean that is that is up my hockey uh, is, is where it's going this this fall uh, and definitely in the future is going to be serving associations uh, and academies uh, or or teams uh, uh, as a one-off team model. But if, if you if you are a part of an association anywhere in North America and you want to be progressive and you think that uh, the sporting, the mental fitness of your athletes, um, the personal the personal development aspect of hockey and and, you, and your ability to create confidence and keep confidence and recover from mistakes and and to support teammates along the way and develop the growth mindset required to uh, you know reach your goals and dreams if you think that's important and if that's something that isn't offered in a plug and play type system 
then maybe up my hockey is something that you would want to consider that you would want to call your president and say, Hey, why don't we bring this in? Um, when it comes to the overall scope and cost of hockey, it is not a massive investment for an association to do it. We're talking about the cost of a hockey stick uh, for uh, for a licensee model for players, depending on what aspect of service you want to bring in. But uh, it's a relatively affordable um, option and you're bringing in an immense amount of value for all the people that are within your membership group. So uh, yes, so I don't know where that's going to go with Spokane. Maybe I will be uh, supporting the athletes of Spokane, but if you're somebody out there from another association outside of Spokane and you would you would like to entertain the idea of what that looks like by all means reach out to me on DM or through my website and we can talk about uh, the programs and the support services that uh, that I am providing for uh, academies or associations now let's get back to the conversation with Luke Toprowski that's one thing that I wish I did more of. Like I'm, a, I'm an inquisitive guy. I feel, and I'm curious. But it, for whatever reason, in locker room, sometimes and how the dynamics of is of it, I, I don't know if it was an ego thing or not. Or I, I really don't know. I haven't been able to unpackage that. But like the asking questions, like to go find that guy, and like, yeah. and, and just to be like, allow yourself to be a rookie, not pretend to be anything else. Like, you know, what what do I need to know here? What can I teach her? What do you see in my game? Like, I never did that, and I wish I would have. Yeah, I mean. You like you said, you just gotta recognize you're a rookie. Like everybody else is a rookie at the same at one point, also. So they know they know the ropes, and you're foolish if you if you don't ask questions because, and you might be embarrassed because you might think you're supposed to know what to do and whatnot. But I mean, in reality, you don't. It's your first year pro. It's your first two weeks pro. You, you need to ask questions. You need to kind of know the ropes and and start to get a feel for things. And, and like I said, we had a great group of vets in, in uh, Providence that answered those questions. So that's awesome. The, well, maybe that's a good, I, I noticed that Trent Whitfield um, is one of your assistant coaches there. And so like continue the Spokane chief thread. He, he wore the C there for a while. He was actually my line mate for, uh, for two seasons. So um, tell me about Witter. Was, was he somebody that because of the, the chief Alliance, did you feel like you were, you were kind of, you know, p- part of it or he was looking out for you a little bit? Totally. I mean, yeah, Witter was amazing ever since the, the day I signed my AHL contract, uh, he reached out to me um, and then I got to camp and yeah, we had instant connection. It's just, it's just so much easier when you can, when you can connect about something or, or have something in common and especially with a coach, because I mean, sometimes pro coaches can be intimidating and, and, and you don't really want to talk to them, but we had that instant chief connection and, and that we had that in common. And I think we, that helped our relationship all season long. I mean, he was talking to me all the time and, and I think, I think that just helped because it was so much easier to talk to him, go up to him and maybe mention something about the chiefs. And then a couple of minutes later, ask him, ask him something about my game, right? Just stuff like that. So our coaches were awesome this year. Witter was awesome. So I'm just looking forward to get back. Yes, for all you hockey players listening out there, especially the younger guys, like you have so much information at your disposal now, like with the hockey DB and the elite prospects. And 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 I say this in like with authenticity, like if, if you are curious about those that are going to be coaching you and you know more about them, it's undoubtedly going to help you create a connection. Right. So it, it's not like and I say that because I don't want you to be like a strategizing brown noser. Like that's not the idea. It's just yeah. like have a human connection. Like if you have a human yeah. connection, it's going to help you. I mean, like you said, with your communication aspect, maybe they're going to come out of their way a little bit easier for you or whatever, but to, to not 
use that information and to not be curious. I think people are just not, not going about it the right way. Our coaches, our coaches were so good about that too, is like we'd be in the lounge or like I'd be in the lounge having breakfast and they'd, they'd come up to me and just like ask about family or ask about your life away from the rink and just having, like you said, a human connection rather just than a hot uh, player coach connection makes it that much easier when you are on the ice or when you are in video or whatnot to, to be able to talk to them. It's just so much easier if you can be personable and, yeah. and, and have something in common or be able to talk to them about stuff away from the game. No, I love that. I, I love you say, saying that. I love you recognizing it because now you are accountable to the two-way process of that. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. You know what I mean? It's not just one way. Yes, you want your coach to come and be interested in you, but that's why I always tell the players I work with, you got to be interested in them too, right? It's a, it's a two-way street. Yeah, yeah. And especially most of the coaches in this day and age have some type of story. Like Witter played NHL games. He had a long career, right? Like even if that Spokane Chief connection wasn't there, like asking them about their career. Like yeah. what do you like playing for? What was his toughest opponent? You know, what was the hardest thing he had to do? Like those are all great questions that you can learn from it also. And it gets them excited to, to share. You know what I mean? Some of the stuff that maybe you're, you're interested in. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. A, that's a great point. Um, so yeah, Witter actually, you're going to have to give him shit because I got his number. Well, I forget the name of the player. I'm working with the Salmon Arm Silverbacks out here. And, and one of the players uh, on their team, uh, knows Witter from that area and end up gotten his, his number after all these years. And uh, anyways, like we, we chatted once and then I think he like, he's ghosted me almost. Like he doesn't want to, I wanted to get him on the pod and everything. And it's like, he, he I can't get a hold of him. So you're gonna have to get, rattle his chain for me. Well, we were, we were texting yesterday and then I sent him another, I replied to one of his texts and he just didn't reply to me. So I will do it. I will give him shit and I hope he's listening. Damn it. Yeah, there you go. Give him shit. Are you in yeah. Salmon Arm then? I'm in Vernon, so I'm just outside of Salmon Arm. Oh, okay. My, uh, well, I, you, I played in Kamloops and met a girl there, so my girlfriend lives in Kamloops now. So, oh, sweet. That's I'm cool. up there all the time. Oh, there you go. Yeah, well, maybe we'll meet one of these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's let's turn it turn it back just a little bit. I, I wanted to talk about that word you said. Look in the mirror there at 16. We were talking about standards, and and that's a word that I love is self-assessment like if your ability to self-assess as a hockey player is, is better than your peers like first of all I think that's a huge advantage like let, let's just you know like let's just pretend right if your ability to self-assess at 16 happened in November instead of at the end of the season right with the wake-up call and thank goodness you had a coach that was super on was with you and you were able to reflect and, and, and then make the strides you needed to but you I mean if you would have saved yourself six seven months there might have been a little bit of a game changer, right? Can, can you speak to a little bit about the ability to self-assess and now that you're a professional too and 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 how that how that skill can help players? Totally. Um, I think sometimes as players we can have egos and egos about our game and, and maybe it's everybody else's fault and, and not so much your own. But, I mean, yeah, Dan, Dan was super honest with me um, and that made – that kind of started my, okay, look in the mirror – sort of mindset um, because I mean, the, the facts didn't lie. The heart rates didn't lie. I was at the bottom and, and I can, and I can't deny that. So I got to look in the mirror and say, okay, these are the facts and, and you got to, you got to turn it around sort of say. Um, and ever since then it's, it's helped. It's helped my, it's helped my game grow. Um, maybe you have a bad or maybe your team has a bad game and you, you could easily say, Oh, my team played like shit. So, I mean, obviously like it's just not going to be a great game, but maybe, 
maybe you had bad plays in there. Maybe you didn't have your best game and, and you can, and video is so good with good about that now. Cause you can go home, sit on your couch and watch, watch your own clips and you can assess yourself and okay, maybe that wasn't my best game, right. but what am I going to do to rebound? And, and just having that, I like to have like a goldfish mindset, like the, like the forget about it. Um, because especially as a rookie, like if you make a mistake in the first period and you're thinking about that the whole game, like it's not going to go well. You're going to be overthinking the game. And, and for me, when I play best is when I'm not thinking and I'm just, and I'm just acting and, and reacting. And um, so, yeah, just being able to self-assess, maybe have that goldfish mindset. Okay. I didn't have a great game tonight, but tomorrow it, 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 it's going to be a great game and just kind of, kind of having that mindset all year in my rookie season helped me a lot. Yeah. Good for you. The, I've worked with both types of players, like the one that the self-assessment is always too critical, right? Like we're all, you know, perfectionist mindset. Like we're really yeah. rattled every time we're focused on the things that didn't go well. And, you know, and, and remember, we remember all those points. And then also the guys that are, are, are pretty comfortable and, and like their game lots, right? Yeah, like they, exactly. like, you know, so do, do you, do you find yourself have a natural tendency to, to, to be on either side of that fence and, and which one would it be? Well, I mean, it's definitely not being too comfortable with your game. Um, a rookie in pro hockey, I mean, you can't really be that com that comfortable. It's it's tough to have a lot of confidence. I, I found it at least tough to have a lot of confidence as a rookie because you don't want to overstep these ten these ten year vets that that maybe, I mean, obviously know the game better than you, and 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 so maybe just. If you sometimes I found myself making a mistake or, or missing a pass, and and yeah, I would get too critical on myself. I, I'd maybe get embarrassed or, or start thinking like, oh, these guys probably think I suck now, or, or just like stuff right. like that. And and that's where I, you got to stay away from that because you'll go down. I would find myself maybe going down a rabbit hole, um, and then not having confidence, not having confidence in practice, and and just even off the ice. So, yeah. Um, I, I I struggle with that maybe early on, especially because it's early on in your pro career. You're not comfortable with anything. Um, but then during the season, getting better at that goldfish mindset that, I mean, we're all human. We all, we watch the NHL games. They're, they're fucking up just as much as we are. Um, yeah. But maybe we don't see it, see it as often. But I mean, we're all human. We're all hockey players. So it's going to happen. And I think that that helped me. Good for you. I mean, I talk about that when I'm when I'm walking players through my program or even working individually is like house league house league thoughts are your all star thoughts, right? And then the house yeah. league ones are the ones you kind of already mentioned. Like, oh, am I supposed to be here? Or they think I'm an idiot, or I look like crap, or what are the coaches thinking? Like, those are all answers. I mean, questions that you're going to give yourself answers to, like subconsciously or consciously, right? Yeah. Um, and again, being able to control those thoughts is such a is such a key component. And you talk about the goldfish mindset, like the five second memory. I love that. Um, but the ability to, to be aware enough in the moment to recognize that you're having that thought to switch it, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to be able to have a different thought process changes your state, gets you ready for your next shift. And and that's an ongoing, obviously, um, you know, practice for a lot of people to get better at it. And it sounds like you got better at it. But um, I like breaking it down for guys sometimes like that because it's like, oh, yeah, because now you realize now in that moment that there is a choice. Like every time there's a choice, right? Like how yeah. you want to think, the thoughts you want to think and how you're going to respond. And when we get those, 
get those patterns habituated, uh, we just automatically start, I mean, getting to the right mental state to be able to go out there and play the next shift. And, and to your point, I mean, I don't know many seasons that are harder than your rookie pro season. And so you just, yeah. you just, not only did you do it, but you actually earned an NHL deal coming out of it. So you obviously did some good things along the way there, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's tough to, like you said, it's an ongoing practice. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm good at doing that goldfish mindset. It's just something I've kind of worked on. And, and I always tell them, like I said, I always tell myself like, we're all human. We're all going to mess up. Everybody's going to miss a pass. Just don't miss, maybe miss the next one. <laughs> just don't do it again. Yeah, just, don't, just don't miss the next one. You can miss the following one after that. But um, yeah, just, I don't know. It's, it's a tough game. It's, it's tough mentally. It's tough physically. And I think if you can work at both of it and both of them, then you'll, you'll succeed. So what a great point to ask the question. So generally speaking, when I'm working with players, the majority of their life has been spent on the physical side of it, the physical skills, right? Like the practice, the shooting pucks, the, in the gym, the getting stronger, like all that kind of stuff. And now you're at this elite level of hockey, this pro level, the funnel's super tight. How much of the game do you think in actuality is mental compared to the physical piece? I don't know if I can put a number on it, but I mean, just the whole con like if you like the whole confidence thing, I mean, you gotta, you gotta be mentally strong and, and, and have confidence if you, if you want to play, play your best game, play your A game. Um, Cause if I would always find myself, if I, if I wasn't confident, then that's when I would be missing the passes or that's when I would be making turnovers because I'm, I'm gripping the, gripping the stick too tight. And, and you just got to be loose. You got to have fun. You got to mess around. And I think, I think that's where the mental side comes, comes into play. Um, I mean, I, I didn't really, I, I wish I worked more on my mental game meeting with people. We have a, we have a sports psychologist that works for us. Just meeting with him more often, I think would be really beneficial for myself. Um, as a younger guy, as a guy that was on an NHL deal, um, maybe not having the confidence of an NHL deal player, but I don't know, just, it is, it's probably just as important. Well, and it's definitely just as important because if you, like I said, if you're not loose, if you're uptight, if you're doubting yourself, then you won't have the physical ability to bring your A game. Yeah. No, I mean, it couldn't be, and you've experienced as a player. I know I have, I mean, from one weekend to the next, the mindset piece is different. The game is remarkably different. I mean, the skills are obviously the same. I skate the same. My shot's the same. You know, like all these things I do are the same, but it's not It's not executing the same, right? And the, the, the difference is here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, like you said, one weekend you can score three goals, two assists, and then the next weekend you're like, I forgot how to play this. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, like in your rookie year in pro hockey, that, that'll happen for sure. What was your biggest, um, I don't know, what was the best thing and what was the biggest challenge or like the, the two things? Like what was the coolest thing about pro hockey this year, earn, earning a check, and, and what, was, what was the hardest thing to, to, to get through? Well, I think the coolest thing was it didn't really feel like much different than, than kind of junior hockey or minor hockey. Like it, I was just showing up to the, to the rink every day. Like I didn't kind of feel like it was a job, but then every two weeks you are getting that paycheck, and that was like kind of cool. Um, it was cool meeting or like playing with vets, like playing with Anton Strahlman, who's played a thousand games in the NHL. He was down in Providence with us or just like 
guys who have played a few hundred NHL games, just being around those types of guys. That's really cool. Being at NHL camps. I mean, that's obviously awesome. Challenges were confidence. I would say Um, you have a bad game. It's kind of, it was tougher to rebound as a, as a younger guy, because maybe you do start to get that self doubt. But as the season went on, I feel like I got a lot better at that. And then, like I said, the strength, I mean, that's the number one thing I noticed with myself was not so much the speed of the game. I, I, I didn't really find myself struggling with that, but uh, the strength of battles of net front. I mean, D-man boxing you out is incredible with their 30 years old. Or mm-hmm. I got in one fight this year and I thought it was a little guy and he just kicked the shit out of me because it was like <laughs> some old man that had, had been playing for in the league for a while. So just stuff like that was, was challenging physically and, and I'll, I'm going to be working on that for a for the rest of my career because I am a, a smaller player in, in the game. Right. Well, just back to the coaches again and, and, um, and with the rookie, and I've had this conversation with the likes, you know, whatever, lots of players that have gone through at the NHL level, high picks, not high picks, but the ability to have what feels like a little bit of freedom to potentially make a mistake when we're younger, right? So, we're, so it's not like the one mistake in your butt stapled to the bench for the rest of the game, or you're up in the in the lineup. And a lot of guys have those stories too, right? Now, now if that's the story, like it's really hard to get the mindset right and to play loose, like when you know the actual problem. If if you make a mistake, is yeah. that you're done? Uh, how was it this year in your environment with that? Like, what was the message? What was how many chances did you get? You know, I mean, what, what was that like? Unbelievable. I mean, going into the year, I kind of did have that mindset like, okay, I can't fuck up or because maybe I will be in the stands or maybe I'll be down in the East Coast League. Um, but my coaches were unbelievable. Um, from my from Witter to my, our other assistant to our head guy. Um, I mean, they would, they would check in with me if I was just in the gym rolling out. They'd come up to me and say, hey, how do you think your game was this weekend? And I'd be, uh, I don't know. I struggled on the wall. I couldn't, couldn't get pucks off the wall or I didn't think it was my best game. And he said, and they would just be so good about it. They, they'd say that's, that's the, that's how hockey works. I mean, you're, you're a rookie. You're going to have ups and downs in your year. And, and they were just good about it. I mean, I played pretty much every game until I was hurt. And then when I got back from my injury, I was, I was in, I was in the lineup again. So, I mean, as a young guy, I couldn't have asked for better coaches than that. That's that, awesome. That, how, what was your minutes like? What type of what type of time on ice were you getting? I was anywhere from twelve to uh, some nights. I was eighteen, nineteen. Oh wow! It, re- it really depended on power play because I I, w- I was on the power play, but I, I wasn't on the penalty kill. So, I mean, if we had a night that we were PKing a lot, then then it kind of went down. Um, but we, if we had a night where we were on the power play a lot, it, it definitely helped. I mean, I had a couple of nights of four or five minutes of power play time. So right. they were awesome about that. And, and But as a rookie, like, but that's another thing. Like, I'm on an AHL deal. I'm a rookie. I, you can't have expectations to play 18, 19, 20 minutes a night because that's not going to be the reality um, for myself because there's guys on NHL deals. There's guys that have been playing pro hockey for – in that league for for eight to ten years so 
you got to kind of check in in that standpoint. Otherwise you'll always be disappointed. You'll always be, um, let down. And, and I think that kind of helped me because the nights I did have 11 to 12 minutes, I could still assess my game and, and notice the good things I did well. And, and, and maybe that was just the flow of the game that night and it wasn't right. personal for, and, and sure. And 11 to 12 is actually really nothing too wrong with that either. No, right. No, it's not, but um, yeah, and, and I mean, I like your idea there of ex- expectations. Like we we can want that, and we can strive for it, and we can push to earn it, right? But yeah. as soon as we get into that entitled kind of piece, like I expect it, that's when it all falls apart, right? Exactly. So. And and I think I did do a good job of earning more minutes as the as the year came down, as the year went on. I started to play much more and whatnot, and and I remember actually the first thing Witter said to me during AHL training camp was you'll have to be patient because you have to recognize there are guys on NHL deals and, and you're on an NHL deal and that's just the way management works. That's the way it's going to go is NHL contract guys are going to get more opportunity. Um, But I think as the year went on, I, I kind of closed that gap and and made them make decisions about lineup or minutes and, and whatnot. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, not being entitled, but, but always pushing yourself to, to earn those, right? Earn that opportunity. Yeah, good for you, man. Like, I mean, I've, I've seen it. I mean, it is it is harder, and it's not fair. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's it's not fair. It, it, you could have somebody that's on an NHL deal that isn't playing as well, that isn't maybe as good as you, and and he might be getting more minutes. And that's the way it works sometimes. Yeah. And you got to keep your nose down, and you got to grind it out, and you got to keep working. And and for you to for you to do that in that organization, you I mean obviously a testament to what you got going on. Uh, whether from a character side or from a work ethic side or even from a skill game side, right? I'm sure that's obviously a big part of it too. But uh, to do that as an AHLer with the Boston Bruin Club doing what they were doing last year and then they're in your your deal, um, that's pretty awesome, man. What what was it like even being underneath that all-time type season? You know, what what, what was that like for you guys? It was crazy. I mean, and we were only 45 minutes away from Boston. Like Providence is only 45 minutes away from Boston, so – I mean, there was buzz going around town and and whatnot. It was it was pretty cool to witness. I mean, you were at NHL training camp with all that those guys, and, and you you were on the ice with those guys. So it was just awesome to, to see them. I mean, be so successful, and we would watch every game every night and and, and whatnot, and watch video on their game, um, maybe before practice and whatnot, and just I don't know, pick pick parts of their game and. And we had a good we had a good team too. I mean, we were first place the whole season. So I mean, it's kind of a good year for the for the Bruins organization. Okay. Well, um, playoffs. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say I didn't want to poke a hole in the balloon, but like I saw that you had four playoff games. Did you get hurt or did you guys get a first round exit as well? We uh well it's best of five in the in the AHL and yeah, we lost in four. Jeez. And uh, two like you were first place in your division? Yep. Oh goodness, eh? yeah. Jeez, isn't that ironic? That's crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird how it's weird how when playoffs come, like regular season doesn't matter. Yeah, it gets you maybe gets you home ice and and which is key. But I mean, we lost both at home, our because for games one and two, and yeah, in playoffs. It's a whole new game. It's a whole new game, man. A couple bounces here and there, and it's like fight for your life. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, even that. I mean, that's the thing, like. I mean, now they're going to break down the NHL playoffs, but like, how close was Boston to getting out of that first round? You know, I mean, well, like, I mean, Marshy was on a breakaway in Game Five, and right, yeah, like, like it's just so crazy. Game Seven overtime, 
Yeah. I mean, it could have gone either way. And then it's a catastrophic failure for the Bruins. And like, there was like one little bounce here or there in one of those games and it's not. And, but that's playoff hockey. And that's why I think what makes her sport so great is because of the parody when it comes to it in the playoffs, it's, it's, it's a team game. It's one of many. And there's so many things that can happen that, um, anyone can really win on any given night. It's nuts. Yeah. Crazy. Take another short break from the conversation with Luke just to tell you a a little bit what's going on in the background. Uh, As many of you know who follow Up My Hockey, I've shared the idea that Up My Hockey is growing and that I just made my my first new hire a few months ago. Um, Michelle has come on board to to support uh, specifically the Facebook group um, first and foremost and uh, and has also helped me with... uh, with getting all the questions answered about the Peak Potential Project and getting people enrolled in the right groups and and uh, getting them uh, signed up for the proper program that suits their their kid the best and and she's been an absolute great asset for me and and one of the things that I've asked her to do is is to arrange all these testimonials that I have so I know that I share them sometimes on on uh, on the podcast one offs or reviews here and there but I mean we've had over two hundred players now. Uh, graduate the Peak Potential Hockey Project. And I can't remember one athlete not gaining something of immense value from participating in the program. And why am I telling you that is because there's um there is so many testimonials that people have given that have offered that have that done on their own you know free will just wanting to share and I haven't really done anything with them like I've I've read a couple uh, online I have posted a couple on the Peak Potential page information page on my website but there's really like. I should be using them more just in the fact of like the credibility of what it is that is actually happening at Up My Hockey. And and I was honestly overwhelmed the other day when I asked Michelle to put them together because we're talking like pages upon pages of players telling their story about what an impact mindset and and mental training has has made on their game and not only on their game but on their personal life, on their development as human beings, which is what I'm so passionate about here at Up My Hockey. So As we speak, Michelle is putting together um, one document with everybody's story, with everybody's, um, you know, version of of how this has helped them and and being around up my hockey. So, um, so I can share it. I mean, it's it's something that's great when when an academy reaches out to me or an association or something, or I reach out to them and and I can share, you know, this laundry list of of people that have been impacted by the program. So I'm super excited to see it really overwhelmed. I'm, I'm very humbled by, by the, by how many people that we've been able to to impact it it's so it's so rewarding and i just thought i would share one uh, it's on page one here i'm not sure how how michelle has, has organized these specifically but um a, a boy that uh, young man that's that's been working with me for a while now uh who i want to celebrate in, in a bigger capacity because um we've been together for a couple years and and uh and he just signed his commitment letter with uh with drum heller of the ajhl it's the alberta junior hockey league he has aspirations to to play d1 college hockey and i'm going to do my best to support his dreams and 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 get him there uh he's an intellectual kid he's a hard worker he, he gets better every day that's his mentality and he's been an honor to work with and and uh, i just want to share his testimonial for 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 his time together with me and with the program uh he writes jason provided me with mindset tools and techniques which allowed me to perform at my best With increased performance came increased confidence, which then enhanced my consistency, which then aided my confidence. 
this perpetuated cycle has 10x'd my development. Devin Winder. So, I mean, we've heard, I, I thought this was an appropriate one just because one, it was on first page and I read that word confidence twice. And and if you've been listening to this conversation with Luke Toporowski, how many times has he mentioned confidence? And it's, it's that huge word for athletes uh, and their ability to play at their peak potential is, is the level of confidence that they are exuding, that they are playing with. And, and Devin here talks about how he was able to create a cycle which increased his confidence. And that's exactly what I try and help players to do. To understand the different ways to develop confidence, to understand different ways to keep confidence, and to actually have a program, a systematic program, a way of practicing, a way of playing, a way of living that continually refreshes that fire and 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 completely builds uh from one day to the next so that's what devin is speaking to here um that is what luke has been trying to find looks like he's been doing a good job of doing it but um confidence is is the key it's the big c word and uh and if you can find ways to create it to cultivate it to keep it uh you are doing a good job so if you're an athlete out there and you are looking uh for the keys to confidence that you want the keys to the car that are going to run the run run uh, run down the highway at, at full sport at full speed then perhaps uh an up my hockey program is something you want to look at uh and if not that's all good too but every time i talk to these players the mind the mental game the, the the mindset aspect of players is becoming much more recognizable and it's becoming much more um what is it? It's, like, it's just, it, it's more people are doing it. Pros are doing it. Amateur athletes are doing it. it. It It's, it's kind of becoming more mainstream. And so if you're not in it yet, you should be, um, because you are m- missing that competitive advantage. So thank you, Devin, for sharing that. Um, Best of luck to him this summer. I know he's working his tail off right now, and he has a big development camp and main training camp ahead of him, and uh, and I'm sure he'll do great there. Uh, and to everyone else, hope your summer training is going fantastic as well, and you are doing things that other people aren't. Really, that's one of the big keys here, remember, and, and something that I work with my athletes on is, yes, we have to bring it to our workouts. We definitely need to bring it. That intentionality, the deliberateness, the attitude that you can bring to those sessions matters. Uh, absolutely. You want to think of yourself as an absolute warrior uh, when you're in there and you're getting stuff done. But on the other side of that, every competitive hockey player right now is working out, right? Every competitive hockey player right now that wants a job that you want is also working out. So if that is all you are doing, are you actually gaining uh, ground on those in front ahead of you? And are you actually separating the gap on those who are behind you? I don't think so. So when I'm working with players, remember, we're talking about standards all the time. Where is your opportunity right now to add something to your program? What can you add here in the next six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks before the season starts uh, that's going to give yourself the edge? Uh, is that something else, uh, a, a skill piece that you can add? Is it a strength component? Is it a flexibility component? Is it a mental component that you haven't explored yet that you can add to your off-season game that's going to give you that competitive advantage you're looking for. So I challenge you there. Challenge everyone out there to continue to push your own limits. Luke speaks about it here in the interview about now it's time to really get to work, that you have these little moments in time where, yeah, now I really got to go to work. Now I really need to elevate. Find ways for yourself where you're elevating before the environment tells you you have to. When you're preparing for what's to come in a way that no one else is, you are going to arrive more prepared and with more 
C word confidence. So there you have it. Let's get back to the interview with Luke Toporowski. So you mentioned your fight. So I think that's great. I, I didn't want to, I wanted this to be about you and not about your dad, but I think that's a great time to bring that back in because um, I love the psychology of the game, as you can see, like that's one of the things that I think is cool. And, and for a player um, following in a hockey family's footsteps, you know, like there, there might be an idea of who you're supposed to be or because of what your dad was or your uncles were. And, um, and for those of you who don't know who Kerry Toporowski was, he had 505 minutes and penalties one year in the WHL. Uh, and that was without 10 minute misconduct. Count. I was just going to say that's no majors. Yeah. That's, that's all, that's no misconduct. That's all major penalties yeah. And, oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and twos. Right. So like, if you do the math on that, that's an insane amount of times where he had to throw gloves and was one of the most feared guys in WHL and, um, one, one Memorial cup. And anyways, like uh, definitely a legend, but so for you coming up now in that, and, and looks like you're, you've always been more of a skill guy. Has that been a part of your DNA to, to, to have some sandpaper and some grid, or was that something you tried to stay away from and carve your own identity or, or how did that all work for you? Maybe. In, I mean, definitely in between the whistles. Um, I'm, I like to be like a hard nosed player, like mix that skill with a little bit of, with a little bit of grit i mean go hard to the net go in the corners not be afraid of, of that sort of stuff but i mean i'm five on a good day five eleven. so i mean fight the the other stuff uh after the whistles and, and fighting and whatnot just never was never was my game um i grew up a forward i grew up scoring goals and and i just love that part of the game so much and i always worked at that part i was always stick handling in the garage i was always shooting pucks um and never really was big enough even to bring that part into my game and i had three fights in the whl and then one fight this year so i mean it just never was part of my game but like you said the sandpaper in between the whistles and stuff like that like yeah that is part of my game like getting under team skin or the other team skin and or just yeah going hard to the net not being afraid of battles and and cross checks and and what and you name it, but right. um, yeah, because yeah, there's a, there's a toughness to that. I talk about that all the time, right? I mean, you have to be you have to be prepared to go to some of those areas because it could hurt, you know, not with yeah. maybe a fist to your chin, but you know, I mean, just the fact that you know it, it's dangerous sometimes out there, right? Yeah. And, and to have that mindset that you can go in. Did uh, the topper your dad ever? Was there any type of did he have any non-negotiables as a parent? You know, I mean, obviously with his type of lineage and what he did, I, I'm sure he didn't want you to be a pugilist. Um, or maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But did he have some standards for you in your game that were just kind of, you know, that, that, that you had to bring every night, whether you were a goal scorer or not? Um, well, to touch on that, he didn't. He never – I don't think he wanted me ever to play his role, play his game. I mean, he's, he, he always says he – he had to do it to, to keep his job and, and, and to get that paycheck. But I mean, yeah, he, he would hold me accountable in my games and, and, and I always knew if I didn't play good because he didn't let me know, he just gave me a silent treatment. And I think sometimes <laughs> silent treatment was even worse than, than getting ripped. And, and I always, up until, up, up until now, I mean, I always know if I don't, if I don't play a great game, cause I won't get a text after the game or, or, <laughs> Or whatnot. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's my, one of my biggest supporters and, and one of my biggest critics. So, I mean, it's, it's a good balance. Yeah, that is good. Did, um, 
Did you, I, I should touch this on the trade. I mean, getting traded there, I don't know if you were involved in it. I mean, you're an older guy and, you know, Kamek was going for a run. Was it, was it, were you blindsided by that at the junior level? And, and what was that like shifting, shifting teams when you probably thought you were going to retire a chief from, uh, from junior hockey? Um, I mean, 20 years old, playing in Spokane, we, we weren't good. I mean, we were bottom of the barrel. So actually in October, I requested a trade. October, November, I requested a trade um, and just kind of stayed on them about that because you have to be selfish in your game too. And I recognize that Chiefs weren't good. I would want to, I it would be perfect to be a Chief for life. But if I wanted to move on to pro hockey, I had to get onto a better team because we weren't doing well in Spokane. I wasn't confident at all. Um, just because we kept losing, maybe the puck wasn't going in the net because we weren't a great team and whatnot. So yeah, I did request a trade and and I was on them about it the, up until the trade deadline. And finally, at the trade deadline, uh, we got a trade to go through to Kamloops. And I mean, that was probably one of the key parts of my hockey career was getting up to Kamloops and getting on a good team and and just being in a winning environment again. Yeah, I mean, I looked at your stat line there, 20 goals, 22 games. That must have been a hell of a lot of fun, and you had a good run in the playoffs there too. Um, just a breath of fresh air, better players. Like, what what, what did that and, – and was that really, like, the key, do you, do you, do you think, for getting that AHL deal done? One – like, I don't I don't think I would have got the deal I got if I was playing in Spokane at all because I wasn't I, – I mean, I was over a point per game playing in Spokane at 20 years old, but – 20 years old, if you want to get a pro deal, you got to, you got to be more than over a point per game. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I kind of self-assessed and I said, this is what I got to do for my game and, and getting up to Kamloops was, was a key part because I, like you said, I played with great players. I mean, I played on the line with Logan Stankov and, and Katie and Bank here, which are two drafted players, two signed players, two world junior players. And just being on the line with those two guys really helped me get back to the game that I knew I could play at the junior level, especially. So, um, I mean, yeah, that was a key part. And then thought maybe I could get an NHL deal and only got an NHL deal, but I mean, can't be entitled and, and just got to keep working. And then, you got that NHL deal now. Yeah. Mark. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. How, how did that work? I think there's probably a lesson there. Like, was that a tough, was that a tough, uh, walk down the hallway for you to knock on the door and, and say, Hey, this is, this is what I'd like. Uh, or did you feel pretty comfortable in your own skin by that point? I mean, by that point I was four. I was there four and a half years. Um, I had worked my ass off every day. I mean, I, I knew I could, I, I knew I kind of had the status to, to maybe walk into the GM's office and say, Hey, I gotta be moved. Like, this isn't for me. This is, like, you guys could maybe get an asset in the, in the trade, a pick to use in the future. Like, this could help both sides. Yeah. So I was comfortable doing that. And it was kind of frustrating because I did. I went in in October, November, and didn't nothing got done until middle of January. So I was, I was going in there probably biweekly, just, hey, is anything coming together and, and whatnot. So I was pretty comfortable doing it. Everybody knew I, I, not everybody knew I wanted out, but I was still coming to the rink every day, having a good attitude, working hard, and 
and while I was there, I was still putting in my time, but I mean, I was comfortable with, with asking out. Awesome. <laughs> How important was it for you to put that, I mean, to have, be the character guy that you are and, and show up there and not let everybody know that you, you were disappointed kind of internally with, with the lack of movement. Yeah. I mean, I think as an older guy, well, it's just like in pro hockey, an older guy being good to the younger guys. I mean, as an older guy, maybe wanting out of Spokane, I, I, like I said, I still showed up and I still try to play my A game and, and be good to the younger guys and, and have those junior parties and, and whatnot, be a good 20 year old guy and, and show the 16, 17 year old guys, the ropes and, and whatnot, not getting too caught up in, in, uh, in the trade stuff. But I, I handled that stuff separately from, from the, from the rest of the guys and, and I'd go in on my own time and when maybe everybody had left the rink and then go, I'd go, go check. So I, I made sure it wasn't a distraction. Um, we also had our captain traded that year too, Jack Finley, who was a 19 year old. And I mean, I, obviously he was a drafted player. He wanted out, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of the theme for, for us older guys wanting to, uh, extend our careers. Good for you. That's a mature thing. And I'm yeah. glad it worked out so well for you there. Um, yeah. Must have been nice to hear that song, uh, Taking Care of Business, being played because you scored instead of listening to it uh, being scored against. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was, I mean, yeah, that's a great, cool song. We um, So, two, you got time for two more? Yeah. Beauty. Totally. Um, well, the one thing you, ta- you talked about earlier, and I, and I would like just to hear your... I don't know how you deal with it because that is something that I don't relate to with the younger crowd. And that is the access to social media and, you know, the life, the life of, of, uh, uh, on your phone, right. And, and potentially someone telling you how great you are whenever you want to read it, or maybe someone telling you how horrible you are whenever you want to read it, you know, uh, and, and all the implications that come with that, not to mention even maybe social, behavior right you know yeah. like going out thinking about i mean this might be on camera but from somebody like how how do you handle that how do teams handle that now and, and what is your interaction with with your phone well that's a good question because actually this this summer i've kind of been going i've been deleting it off my phone quite often just because i've i, I mean it's the summertime anyway i want to get off my phone and I want to be focused on friends, family that I don't see during the season, but it causes, it causes stress. It causes anxiety because you're reading your, you're on your Twitter, Instagram, and you're seeing signings or um, like other guys having success and, and whatnot. And then you start to doubt yourself and, and maybe have bad, bad mental health. And, and so every time I got to that point, I would just delete it off my phone. I mean, I would delete Instagram. I would delete Twitter. I delete Facebook, you name it. And then it just, it kind of helped me get a reset. And then maybe a week later I would re-download it and get in touch with, with buddies or, or see what everybody's up to. So I think social media is great. It's if you use it in a good way um, to connect with friends and whatnot. And, but it can also, like you said, you can read some bad stuff about you and, and see stuff maybe you don't want to see. And I got to that point this summer where, I was kind of struggling about it mentally and about all the signings because I knew I could get an NHL deal and I was seeing other guys get NHL deals, but it wasn't happening for me yet. So I just had to delete the stuff because I was thinking about it too much and it was affecting my day-to-day life. So, I mean, I did delete stuff and or I deleted social media and now I have it again and 
and it's good to connect. But and then the other part of that side is, or part of social media is, like you said, being being careful when you go out because I mean everything's on camera now, and or being careful with what you text your buddies or Snapchat your friends because I mean with everything going on right now, you you got to be careful and and I think it's just yeah, it's a good reminder for us that that we are in a stage where people might be looking, be out to get us maybe a little bit more than just the, the average citizen. But I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a good platform to be on. That's mature, man. Like really, really mature points there. And I think you use the word mental health a couple of times and, uh, and I'll also use like the time management side. Like, and this is, I mean, I'm an adult, you're an adult, right? I'm a 47 year old adult, you're a 22 year old adult. Like uh, there's only so many hours in a day. And I know the life of a, of a pro hockey player, you know, I mean, you have your work time, but there's, yeah. there is some free time, right? I mean, you can do some stuff with, and, and again, I didn't have the access to the phone, but I, I can catch myself like not only, Using the phone, yes, positively, but also just le letting it use me at times, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not using it; it's using me, and I'm just like lost in the in the scroll or in the feed or whatever, right? And and like how, speak to that, like, and that's one thing I try and talk to my players about now because if you can buy back some of your time, and if you if you have the ability, the professionalism to use your phone, like to serve you, like again with those yeah. all star thoughts, and like what is in your feed, and what are you looking at, and like how are you using your phone? I think it can be a tool, but it's a very very fine balance there, isn't it? There is like just like you said, getting lost in the scroll. Like I'll be on my phone sitting on the couch, and twenty minutes will go by, and I'm like, what am I doing? Right. So I just instantly delete like the stuff off my phone. I'm like, okay, I'm not like I'm not downloading it for like a week. Like I just get you just need cleanse because I mean it, it's it is an addiction. Like to I mean and whoever's created all the stuff to keep us hooked into the screens for for hours in the day is they're pretty intelligent because it's work it works and yeah. Um, but I think yeah, like you said, being responsible and being mature to use it in a good way. Um, I mean, I've, I've found skill drills that I can use when I'm just out on the ice by myself. I've found skill drills on Instagram that I, that I use. I've found workouts that I use on social media. So like using it in that aspect, it's like, it's awesome. It's a great tool because people put all their stuff out there, but then they, like you said, there is the other side of getting lost in the scroll and yeah, just, yeah, it's sucking out your time of your day. You know what you might might use, and something I've used with some of my some of my guys before, especially like you know we're competitive beasts, right? You're, you're a professional hockey player. There's got to be a high level of compete in you. Um, those those the people you talked about, like the design manufacturers of these things, like what they're actually doing, right? Is like they're they're buying your attention. Like that's the number one commodity, right? Like and and when you do get lost in it, they win. Right. They, they've absolutely won the game. So when you gamify like your screen time, if you can think of it as, as a win loss scenario and you just yeah. lost, like, I think that kind of, sometimes that helps guys, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. to, totally, you know, totally. have you watched the, uh, the social dilemma? No. I mean, that's a, if, if you want to, well, that's the Facebook one, isn't it? Well, social network is, is the Facebook one, but social dilemma it's on Netflix It's documentary and it's about like, it's an inside look at like what they do to keep us hooked. The notifications, like just they'll right. pop something on your phone that you want to see that you want to click on. And then 
you click on it and then you're stuck for 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you get time to watch, I will that documentary social dilemma, it is, it is scary, but it's interesting because it'll kind of wake you up and well, right. It's informational. I'm sure educational right now you can start making it. Once the smoke clears, you can make some new choices, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, And one of the things I use with my players too. So that 20 minutes that you recognize, I think that's such a great number for whatever reason, because who doesn't like get lost and escape on their phone for 20 minutes a day, right. Or on a screen of any type for that matter. That 20 minutes at the end of a year, like if you, if you were to capitalize and like regain that 20 minutes, that's like three and a half weeks of work, like eight hour work days. Can you yeah. imagine though? Like if you put that into like whatever your toe drag. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Or yeah. Like a quick release or lunges or anything. Yeah, like, anything like 20 minutes of dedicated, deliberate practice that you have in a day that has been squandered doing something aimless that you're never going to get. I mean, you never gain anything from and actually put it towards your craft. Like, 20 minutes. Like, I don't know. I just, I just love that. That's so impactful because it, yeah. I, it really starts to like put time in a capsule, especially when you're playing the long game on, on something like hockey, right? Like where we're trying to get better and we're trying to do this, like three and a half work weeks is 20 minutes a day. That's bonkers to me. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can be sticking like for 20 minutes. Yeah. 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 I call them 20 minute monsters with the guys that I'm working with, like to try and actually capture that 20 minutes and to use it in your strength and weakness builder, you know, and, and, and works for pro guys too. Right. Or even yeah. junior guys, you're at the rank, you have access to ice, you have this time. It's like, wh- wh- where do you, where do you using 20 minutes for you, for Luke Toporowski, right? If I was working with you, right? Like, how are we going to use this? We're going to use 20 minutes a day, the dedicated, deliberate practice for you to get better quicker than somebody else. Um, yeah, it makes a big difference. Uh, yeah. Huge difference. Uh, okay, last one. So I said two. So that was a long-winded one on social media. Thanks for your insight there. The NHL contract. We got to dig into that a little bit. So I mean, you're on an AHL deal. You want to be an NHL player. No one puts on their skates at eight to be an AHL player. I mean, I played more AHL games than NHL games. So I'm not downing the AHL. I mean, tons of respect for the AHL, but where you want to be is in the big show. So you, wh- what was that like? You know, it, was it a one-year deal that you had at the AHL level? And, and how did you think that that transition was going to work? Was Boston always in the mix? Like, talk to me about all that. Yeah. So going back to my 20 year old year, I mean, I had a, like, like you said, I had a good, good time in Kamloops, put up the points, played well, got an AHL deal in my head. I was like, I know I can, I still feel like I can do more. I still feel like I can get that NHL deal. And I mean, had a good start to my pro career. I mean, had a good, good, good pro career or good pro season for my rookie season. Um, had the ups, had the downs um, and had some looks. I mean, my agent was getting in contact with me, like so-and-so was interested in, 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 in an offer sheet. Um and whatnot, but Boston ultimately had my rights, even though I was on an NHL deal. Teams could offer sheet me, and that's kind of how the NHL deal came up because Minnesota gave me an offer sheet, and since I'm Boston's uh, property, technically, um, they get the right to match. So they get 72 hours, and and they took the 72 hours, and they came back and said they were going to match. So. Um, yeah, I mean they they were kind of forced in into the NHL deal, but um, I'm grateful that that Minnesota gave me the offer sheet, and I'm I'm grateful that Boston matched because I mean they treated me nothing 
but great uh, my first year. And, and I'm just excited to get back and, and have that NHL deal um, to go into this season. Good for you. So Christmas card for year, Billy eh? Garen, I guess, eh? What's that? Christmas card oh. and a bottle of whiskey for Billy Garen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Um, well, that's the, so what was that? Was that a, was that a pretty celebratory day moment? Like what was, what, how, how'd you, how you guys handle that in the Toporowski? Well, my, my agent, like he would text me like pretty, I would say maybe once a month, like, Hey, just had a conversation with so-and-so. Um, well, I'll let you know next week if they come back with an offer and that just kept happening. And he was like, fuck, I, I, I'm, we're just not getting the offer at, in the, at the end of the day. And randomly one day I left my phone at home and I forget where we went. We were out running errands and I came back and I just checked my phone and my agent had texted me, give me, well, he tried calling me. He said, give me a call when you can have an NHL offer. We need to talk about it. And I, my heart dropped. I was like, what the, like, this is insane. Yeah. Um, and I te- instantly texted my brother. Um, and yeah, it was, it was cool. And, but you still had to wait the, the 72 hours cause you didn't know who was, who you were going to be with. But yeah, we celebrated after that 72 hours was up and after Boston match and I signed. So and it happened to be on a Friday. So work week's kind of over and, and, yeah. and you can celebrate with some pops, but yeah, it was an awesome weekend. So yeah, so you knew, so they, I mean, so Minnesota couldn't rescind it at that point. Like once it's out, it's out. So you knew you were going to have an NHL deal. It was just a matter of if yeah, Boston, that, that was kind of, Boston was the only team that could step in, right? Yes, correct. And that was kind of, I mean, those three days were the longest three days of ever because I was like, what's going on here? I was texting my agent, has Boston matched yet? Are they going to match? So yeah, it was, it was, it was fun time though. Well, cool. Well, good for you. I mean, and to your point, like, I mean, and just speaking, this is just me, me, from an experiential standpoint, like the environment that you have there that you're glowingly speaking about at the AHL level, like you, you, it's obviously not guaranteed the next place you go. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Sometimes guys get a little bit like, I don't know, like they don't like the grass is always greener is, isn't necessarily the case. So I'm glad you found a place that appreciates you, that you appreciate them. You know, and I think yeah, that's a great spot to grow your career from. So congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, you were a fantastic guest. I really appreciate you coming on um, and being able to share your story. There's so many great lessons in there for, you know, like my son at anyone at any point in the game that's, you know, trying to, trying to be a pro hockey player. It sounds yeah. like you're super grounded and you're, and you're doing the right things and uh, pay attention to the details. And like you said earlier, that hopefully the game will take care of you if you take yeah, care exactly. of it. That's, that's the mindset you got to have. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, ma'am, we'll let you go. And um, once again, really appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for sharing all your all your little jewels of wisdom there. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you once again for sticking around for the entire conversation. Episode 115 with Luke Toporowski. Luke, thank you so much. You're a rock star, man. I wish you nothing but the best. Um, yeah, just getting that hour and 20 minutes uh, with you. Uh, I can tell you're somebody that I would want to have in my locker room. I can tell you're somebody that uh, is taking care of the details and 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 have a team first mentality, but recognize the individual uh, ism of what it is that you are doing and trying to accomplish. And and the the amount of times that you that you talked about gratitude and use gratitude is really lessons for everyone else out there listening. Um, 
boy, it, it, it just takes care of the passion piece. It takes care of the hard times. Uh, it, it makes it bigger than you uh, when you're using gratitude and, and, uh, and it just keeps you on the straight and narrow. It, it keeps you doing the right things. And, uh, and it sounds like Luke has, has, has got a lot of those things right, uh, which, is, which is being acknowledged in, uh, in the fact that the Minnesota Wild wanted him, were, were prepared to write an offer sheet for his rights, uh, which, which maybe the Boston Bruins already knew they wanted him, but they, they were forced to acknowledge that they also wanted his rights. And now he has the NHL deal that he wanted on a two-year term. And, and of course, right, the work is just beginning, as we've, as we've said here uh, numerous times on this episode in particular that you know Luke is in the gym he's trying to get stronger he's recognizing that there are men now that he's playing against and it's a different level of compete and toughness and strength and and obviously at the AHL level as great as that league is it's not the NHL and it is even going to amp up there so um, best of luck to Luke and everyone who is in the AHL right now like my I have a super soft spot for, for the guys that that make the journey to the show that direction uh, that that have to earn their spot um, with, with Luke being on an AHL deal and earning his spot to even be on that team. Like he didn't have to make the Providence Bruins last year. Like he earned his spot against other guys on NHL deals, against other guys from the East Coast who wanted to come up and have a, have the spot. And and then he earned his minutes throughout the year and now he's earned his NHL deal and, and he's going to earn every one of his minutes again. And who knows where he's going to end up here in the fall. I know he's working his tail off, but for all you guys out there fighting that fight, um, stay grounded. Uh, remember why you do it, as we said here, uh, and, and remember what it's all about. And, and it's it it should feel it should make it easier. It's going to be hard. It is hard. It's meant to be hard. Uh, embrace the grind. Embrace the struggle, and enjoy all the great things that come with being a pro hockey player. And uh, treat your teammates right, and good things will happen to you. As Luke said, the uh, the game will take care of you if you take care of it at some point. It doesn't owe you anything. Remember that. It does not owe you anything, but it will shine on you if you take care of it. So keep doing those little things, Luke out there and everyone else out there uh, fighting the good fight. Keep doing the keep doing the little things and, and I wish you the best. Till next time, play hard. Keep your head up. <laughs>